Last week, we learned the obligations of a husband to his wife in terms of chiyuvei mamon, monetary obligations. Today, we'll begin by learning the laws of chiyuvim from a wife to a husband. What does a husband benefit financially from a marriage? The Gemara in Ksubis, Daphnun Chesamit Beis, explains a semi-quid pro quo contract. The Gemara says, Tiknu mezonos, tachtos ma'asayadea. At first, the Gemara said that the Chachamim instituted the law of support, mezonos, a husband must support his wife, because he gets her income, her ma'asayadea. But then the Gemara revises it, the quid pro quo is there, but basically the opposite. Since a husband supports his wife, therefore they made a takana of masayadeha, that a woman's salary goes to the husband. The Mishnah in Ksubis, the New Testament base, mentions melachos ha'isha osalabala. There are certain types of work that a, wo- a woman, married woman, is expected to perform for her husband. Tochenes, ofa, baking bread, basically, mechabeses, to do the laundry, mivasheles, to cook, menikas bena, to nurse her child, matzas lomita, and she arranges the bedroom, v'osa batzeme, and she works with wool. Now, working with wool seems to be incongruous in light of this Mishnah. The first parts of the Mishnah deal with what we would expect in terms of a marital home, that a wife who is basically a housewife should perform certain housewifely duties. Also, Batsemeh seems to be a type of parnasa, a type of work that she should knit in order to sell to provide an income. The question, of course, is, since we know that a wife, the salary does go to the wife, how does this relate to the concept of her working? Does she have to work? Or is it simply a fact that if she does work and wants to work, then the husband, then the salary goes to the husband? The Ramban in Milchamos seems to say that the wife actually should go to work, and the husband would have some sort of a right to expect her to work. The Ramban says, the first phrase, I will read, but the second phrase seems to be even more indicative of that approach. The Ramban says, it seems logical. It doesn't seem logical that the husband should have to support her. But he has to do all the household responsibilities as well. Cooking, baking, doing the laundry. How could it possibly be imagined that he should have to pay for someone to nurse the children? Later on, the Ramban says in the same in the same Sefer Aschus, not Melchamos, the Sefer Aschus of the Ramban, he says, These obligations that a wife has to work for her husband 
are monetary obligations. Shechivu osam chachamim etzel habal. These are obligations placed upon a, a married woman that she somehow owes to her husband. The Ramban continues, ishus. This is not considered part of her marital responsibilities in terms of being a housewife. The Ramban clearly says that this is a financial obligation. Tosfus, on the other hand, disagrees with this Ramban, and Tosfus in Ksubis, on Dav Samech says almost explicitly against the Ramban, the Mezone Ikar, Umasa Yadea Mishum Eva. The Mizonos are the main question here. Last week we have learned, in the past two weeks we have learned, that a husband must support his wife, Mizonos. According to the Rambam and some Rishonim, this is a Chiyuv Daraisa, whereas according to other Rishonim, the Ramban, it's a Chiyuv Darabanan. But Tosva says that the Mizone Ikar, Umasa Yadam Eva. Basically, the husband has to support her. Because of Eva, Eva seems to be a type of acrimony. Some sort of hostility may occur between the husband and the wife if she would work and not give him the salary. I've always said that it seems, in a way, unfair. If a husband has to support his wife, so basically what he earns is the money of the family, our money. What she works, if not for this takana, would be her money. So that means in the family there's our money and her money. But there's no his money. His responsibility is to support the house. So it seems, according to the Ramban, therefore uh, it's a of mamam for a wife to go to work, whereas according to, to Tosfus it seems to be Mishim Eva, because the husband might resent the fact that his wife works. In fact, she could make more than he, than he, and nevertheless he has to support the family and she keeps her money to herself. And this might be the cause of family dissension. So therefore, Chachamim made a takana that she should give him her salary. I'd like to point out again that this seems to be very much in favor of the woman and not the husband. Because we paskin that if she does not want to work, she doesn't have to work. The husband cannot force her to go to work. On the other hand, if she says, we'll see it more clearly in the Psak of the Rambam. But based on the Gemara, the Rambam Paskins, that's the way the Shulchan Aruch also Paskins, that a woman has the right to say, I'm willing to waive the Mizanos, so you don't have to support me, but I keep my own salary. Let's say she makes a big, she's a big time lawyer, makes, let's say, a million dollars a year. And her total support would be, let's say, a hundred thousand dollars a year. So she has the right to say, don't do me any favors, keep your hundred thousand dollars, and I will keep my million dollars. But the husband has no right to say to her, you must go to work and support yourself. Moreover, if her salary does not cover her expenses, the husband cannot tell her that you must go to work and make more money. The Raman Paskins clearly, to this effect, the Rambam says that a, a wife 
in Hilchas Ishus. The Rambam Paskins that a, a husband has the right to tell, the wife has the right to tell her husband that I don't want to work and support me, or she has the right to say, I will work, don't support me. The Rambam in Paragud Beis of Hilchas Ishus says, and here the Rambam explains the quid pro quo that I mentioned earlier. The Rambam says, The fact that he supports her caused the Takana that she should give him, no, the fact that he has to support her caused the Takana that she should give him her income. We'll get back to that in a minute. Pidyona, that he has to ransom her in the case of captivity. That is because he eats her milug. A woman comes into the marriage with an estate, so the husband can get the income from the estate. That's called milug. But in, because of that, he would have to ransom her in in case she were kidnapped. And then the Ram says, He has to pay the funeral expenses because he inherits her. Since he inherits her, Chachamim instituted the fact that he has to bury her, pay for the expenses. A woman says, I don't want your mazonas, I'm not going to work. We would listen to her and we don't force her to work. If the husband says, I do not want to support you, I don't want your income either. We do not listen to him. Maybe she can't make a living. Maybe she won't make a living. Because of this, the 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 chi of mizanas is considered an essential tnai, an essential stipulation of the ksuba. However, there is an opinion of Reish Lakish in the Gemara on Dafnun Chesamibes that explaining the opinion of Rabbi Meir, the Gemara mentions the name of, of Reish Lakish, Mishum because he could coerce her to work. Now, it seems that we don't pass in that way. As I said before, the husband cannot tell his wife to go to work. However, there does seem to be a difficult Rambam in Hilchas Isha's Perik Chaf Aleph Halacha Yud. The Rambam there in Perik Chaf Aleph Halacha Yud says, Kol Isha, Shatimana Milasos Malacha, Mina Malacha Shichayevas Lasasa. Any woman who refuses to do one of the responsibilities that were placed upon her, Kofimosa, we would force her. Vaosa. We would force her to do it, even using corporal force. The Rambam goes on to say what happens if there is a, um, a disagreement about this. But basically, the Rambam said that we would force the woman to do her, these responsibilities. Now, we just saw that a husband cannot tell his wife to do to go to work according to the Rambam. The Rambam Paskins, the husband cannot tell her, uh, a wife to go to work. He has to support her. So why is it that if a woman doesn't want to work, call for Mosa. 
This question, of course, is so obvious that it's asked by the common Perushim on the Rambam. The Kesafishta, for example, says a few possible answers. One, he distinguishes between the monetary obligation of working and what I called before the housewife duties, the marital responsibilities of Malachas. The Mishnah did include marital responsibilities as cooking, baking, and uh, doing the laundry. The Rambam might refer to those. A husband cannot tell his wife to go to work to make a living, to make a salary. But perhaps it is considered part and parcel, of course, mid but it's considered part and parcel of the marital contract that a wife perform the housewife duties. So, if that would be true, for those, we would actually force her to do it. The, the Kassif Mishnah suggests another case of a woman says that she won't work, but she refuses to give her salary to her husband. That, of course, as what I said before, seems grossly unfair. She insists upon being supported, but she refuses to give her salary to her husband. In other, in other words, she wants her cake and to eat it too. So then the Rambam would say we would force her to give the salary to the husband or to say any nizonos v'eniyosa. I just wonder how we would apply these laws in today's society. The, in terms of working, so usually there's a common understanding between husband and wife if she wants to work, if he wants her to work, and occasionally there are disputes about it. About it. But the type of financial arrangements that are made today, basically each family makes their own understanding of the way they run the budget. But in terms of the responsibility to do what we called housewife responsibilities, I wonder how we would look at this today when, of course, the society is much different. And, in fact, many of the household duties are done by... Uh, hired people, by maids, by live-ins. The Rambam says in Perek Chaf Aleph, Mehilchas Ishos, Halacha Aleph, the Rambam says in the case of Metzias HaIsha, Masa Yodel Lebala, a woman, should she find something that would be considered like income, and her income goes to her husband. Umay Yosolo, what should she do for him? So we learned in the Mishnah, the Mishnah said that the list, so the Rambam says, "Hakol It's based upon the custom of the land, and he talks about different um, types of weaving, uh, what women do, what women don't do. It would seem to me that this concept, "Hakol would have to be applied today to all the laws of what are considered the marital responsibilities of a husband, of a wife to a husband. In terms of financial arrangements, I think what we've learned the past few weeks and today in terms of Masayodea could still be valid. But in terms of the, of the obligations, in terms, in terms of the house, it would seem to be that Hakol Kamina should certainly apply and we would have to see uh, what the standard of living and the style of living is in the different communities. We should always remember that the Ramam we learned last week said that even in terms of mizonos, even in terms of actual support, in terms of clothing, the Rambam said there was a certain prescribed limit according to the Torah, according to the Rabbanon, actually Rabbanon, according to the Rambam, who prescribed the amount 
that a husband should give to his wife for mazonas, for for beget, for every for all the, her expenses. But nevertheless, the Ramam wrote that would be dependent upon a person who is fairly indigent or not or not well off, but a person who Baruch Hashem is doing well. Hakolafi Ashra would all everything would depend upon the style of life that he is used to, the style of life that people of his stature are accustomed to. It would seem to me that this should apply to these halachas as well. The Rambam mentioned, besides the halacha that we've been discussing, the masayadea, the fact that she works, or malachas that a wife does for her husband, the Rambam in that parak that we've been discussing, parak Yudbeis Mehilchas Ishus, says that when a man gets married, he basically is obligated in ten different types of obligations. We learned this last week and the week before, three Doraisa, according to the Ram, the rest Rabbana. But the Ram says the wife is obligated in four things that the husband gets from her. What are they? So we've talked already about Masayodeha, her income. The Milios Mitsiyasa Shela the shallow, the fact that whatever she finds belongs to him, seems to me also, the Ramam does include it in a concept of that Masayodea are connected Mazonas. He doesn't say why Mitsia is involved. He doesn't at all mention Tiknu Mitsia because of something. It seems to me that Mitsia should be part of Masayodea, what she earns, what she makes, what she benefits financially. So that would go to the husband. But then the Ram says, besides that, He eats the fruit of her estate. What I mentioned before, this is called Nichse Milug, there's also Nichse Etzanu Barzel. I won't go into the distinction between the two different types of Nechassim right now, but the basic concept is if she has an estate of, uh, let's say she owns apartment buildings and she rents them out, then he would be able to receive the the rent from these apartments. The Ramam says that this is a takana, pidyona, kineged achilas peros nechaser. Because of that, he would have to redeem her. We discussed uh, the concept of ransoming last week, but today we learned that the husband has the obligation but the wife has the obligation of giving him the income from her estate in the time of the marriage. It simply meant if she had a field and produce was grown, so he ate the produce of that field. The last one that's here is Kvurasa Keneged Yerushasa Liksuvasa. He has to pay all the funeral expenses because he inherits the estate. Now, last week we met, we learned that Yerusha, the fact that the husband in, does inherit, according to the Rambam, is a din de Rabbanan. The According to biblical law, a husband does not inherit his wife. But it's only a rabbinic law that a husband um, inherits. If we'll remember the parsha of, of Yerusha, is found in Pinchas, and the Torah says, "Ish ki yamut uvein enlo, a man who passes away without a son." So the the estate goes to the daughter, and then it goes on in pasuk perik chavzayin of Bamidbar pasuk yidalif, 
ואם אין אחים לאביו, הוא נתתם את נחלתו לשארו הקרוב אליו. If you give, you give the estate to שארו הקרוב אליו. Now, שארו הקרוב אליו could be translated as his nearest relative, his closest relative, or it could mean to his wife. The word שאר can mean the wife, like we learn, for example, שאירה כסוסה ואונסה לא יגרל. Oh, the Ramam interprets שאירה to mean מזונוס. Some people could learn it means marital relations. That the Ramban learns that way in Chumash. So she'ero, it seems to be, uh, could mean a wife. In the, in the Torah, in the beginning of Parshas Emar, the Torah gave the list of people to whom a Kohen is allowed to be metame. The Torah said, Kim He can only be metame to his she'ero karovilav. Now the Ramam learned that that is like, the Torah said you can become to your relative, and then that's like a colon, and the Torah explains who are those relatives, and there are six relatives. The Rambam did not interpret that She'ero meant your wife, and therefore, according to the Rambam, according to biblical law, a Kohen cannot be metami to his wife, and according to biblical law, a husband does not inherit his wife. But there were two takanas made here. One is the husband is responsible for the funeral expenses. We learned last week the Rambam mentioned in Hilchos Avel, in the laws of mourning, the Rambam mentioned that the husband is obligated as if the wife is a mace mitzvah, someone that no one else will take care of, and therefore the husband has to pay and be responsible for all the funeral arrangements. So the Ramam here says, Tiknu, Klurasa, Keneged, Yerushasa, Yerushasa, Liksuvasa. Since he inherits, he has to pay the funeral expenses. In, inheriting her is Midrabanan, and bearing her is also Midrabanan. But this is the source of a Machlokas Rishonim. The Rambam is the one who says that Yerusha Sabal is the Rabbanan, but the Ravid disagrees in two places. In Hilchos Ishos Perak Yudbeis Halacha Dalid, the Rambam says, Halacha Gimel, the Ravid says, Omer Avram, Omer Ani Yerusha Sabal Dvar Torah. I think that the husband inherits Midaraisa. The right for a husband to inherit, according to the, the Ravid, seems to be the only financial benefit, Minatorah, that a husband receives when he's married. Well, remember that according to the Rambam, there is no financial benefit. It's all the Rabbanan. Midaraisa, a husband is obligated in three things, and he does not get anything from his wife. But in terms of the Rabbanan, there are ten things a husband is obligated to his wife, and four things that a husband gets to gets the uh, gets a schos midivrei selfrim. So there's a machlokas, and it's repeated in Hilchos Nachlos, Perak Aleph Halachaches, that the Ram thinks Yerushas Habal is the Rabbanan, whereas the Raiva thinks Yerushas Habal is Doraisa. Now today we've learned formal obligations of a wife to a to a husband, but it's obvious that there's got to be more than that. Marriage is not just a concept of financial arrangements. The tragedy of marriage in such a situation where they would have to look it up in the Shulchan Aruch to discuss exactly what a husband owes his wife, what a wife opens, owes her husband, would seem to me to be what I just called the tragedy of such a marriage. Marriage, of course, should not be uh, based 
on, uh, well, I'll have to support my wife because Nebuch, I'm obligated by law, but on the other hand, I get certain benefits. The Ramban is the one that I think said this almost explicitly. We've mentioned the Ramban before. The Ramban in the beginning of Mishpatim mentions that there's no obligation at all. He disagrees with the Rambam and thinks the husband has no obligation to support his wife at all. But nevertheless, the Torah knew that a husband would support his wife. Indeed, there may be no reason to say that a husband's obligated to support his wife. It would be a tragedy if we would have to say, well, Nebuch, he has to support his wife and he would go, I'll look it up in the Shulchan Aruch, exactly what I have to give you. The Chachamim were aware of certain tensions that could be created by marital life in terms of financial situation. And therefore, the phrase that I used before, Tiknu Mishum Eva, sometimes they were worried about disharmony in the family. And therefore, they made these Takanas seem to be necessary in a place where Nebuch, uh, the husband and wife, didn't get along properly and Therefore, we would have to impose halachas that in an ideal marriage should not be need to be imposed. Besides these laws of, of pure monetary responsibilities, the Rambam adds in Perek Tazvav Halacha Yutes of Hilchos Ishus. Need this be mandated by Chachamim? The Chachamim commanded, says the Rambam, that a person should respect, honor his wife more than his own physical welfare. He should love her as much as he loves himself. The simple meaning of Ahavta Lereacha Kamocha is referring to your wife. Who is your best friend? Who is your closest person in the world? Husband and wife? So, Oava Kigufo. Now, this seems to be a, a, a concept of Tzivu Chachamim. It's very difficult for me to explain a Tzivu Chachamim. The Chachamim commanded someone to love someone. The hope and the assumption is that marriage is based and rooted in love. But the Tzivu Chachamim might also have some sort of a um, beyond the Musr which is obviously self-included, it might have a halachic ramification as well. Perhaps we'll have a scenario where the husband and wife cannot afford uh, some essential that each one needs. Perhaps uh, it's a difficult winter and they need a winter coat and they can't afford uh, two winter coats. The husband can only afford one. So the Rambam's phrase might imply that his wife must come first. The Tzivu Chachamim here is, again, the problematic phrase for me that Chachamim would command, but certainly it means this is what a marriage should be, where a husband is, gives the proper respect and cover for his wife and loves her as he would love himself. As I said before, in terms of mezonos, in terms of ksus, both in terms of of support, in all forms, if he has more money, he should spend it on her accordingly. She should not be afraid of him. 
He should speak politely. He shouldn't be a person who is uh, low, quick to be angry or a person in, in a state of melancholy. Of course, the classic example of such a case is the story that's so well known today about Rabbi Levine, that when he came in to the doctor with his wife, that was the custom in Yerushalayim, that women would not go to see a male doctor without their husband being pregnant, without being present. And, what a slip of tongue. And the doctor asked Rabbi Levine and his wife what, what seems to be the problem. And the answer, which is not today a classic, well-known answer, Rabbi Levine said, the, My wife's foot hurts us. The hurts us is the ideal of the marriage. The Rambam also adds, The Chachamim also instructed, commanded a woman to respect her husband in almost in an exaggerated form. She should have some sort of awe for him. She should do what he wants. She should relate to him like she would relate to a minister, to a king. His desire should be her desires. She should estrange anything that which he despises. This is the way of the Jewish women and the Jewish men who are holy and pure in their relations. This way their life, their society will be fine and merit-worthy. I always wondered, the Rambam, of course, was referring to his generation, to his society, where women were not educated, were not in, involved as much in the world as our wives are today, as our the women's society is. I wonder how the Rambam would adjust to this law. The phrase, the phraseology of the Rambam seems to be a little extreme to in our world. Nevertheless, the concept of kavod and ava that exists between husbands and wife is obviously the ideal and it would be a shame if we had to resort to the technical laws that we learned today, all the various chiyuvei mamon. In a sense, Torah, it is Torah to learn it. It certainly constitutes a kiyom of Talmud Torah, but nevertheless, I would hope that a marriage need not be based on the technical laws of Dine Mamonos, but rather a house should be based on Kavod and Ahava, as the Rambam says, and in that respect, we'll finish with the words of the Rambam. They should have a happy marriage together.